0: This Sunday, as has been mentioned, officially starts our season of Advent. If you're not familiar with that language, the Advent season is the Christian season of waiting. It's the stuck in between where we're looking back to the first coming of Jesus and his birth, and we lean forward to the second coming where Jesus will come to make all things right, all things new. In the next three weeks, Robert will begin his Advent series going through different promises in Isaiah. And so I thought this morning, while we get ready for Advent and the Christmas holiday, I wanted to make sure that we did not miss Thanksgiving. In fact, Thanksgiving is actually one of the best ways to prepare yourself for Christmas. And so just to give us some context this morning from Luke 17, because we are jumping in to this gospel passage Luke 17 is in Luke's travel section. Luke's travel section starts in Luke 9. And in Luke 9, Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross. And as he's been traveling on this great road to Jerusalem, Jesus has met two different types of people. One type of person hears him, sees him, and receives his grace with great gratitude for their Savior. The other group hears him sees him, and somehow misses him. They take Jesus and his salvation for granted. And Luke places our story this morning, this miracle, in this place for a specific purpose, to ask ourselves the question, which one are we going to be? And Luke is going to tell us this morning and prepare us for the Advent season by saying, please don't miss this Jesus. Do not take him... For granted, but with gratitude. So with all that in mind, let's turn our attention to Luke seventeen, eleven through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he, being Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, and lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest." The word of the Lord. Father, we are thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful, like we just sang, that you dwell with us, that you have sent your spirit with us, and I pray that by your spirit you would open our eyes again to see wonderful things in your word, that we would see your son Jesus as so beautiful, as so good, as who we really need this holiday season. Lord, and our hearts will be moved to worship and to gratitude. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Obviously, we're just coming off the Thanksgiving holiday. Many of you all spent the last couple days with family and friends, hopefully around good food, and you think Thanksgiving would be an easy holiday for us as God's people. As one preacher puts it, Thanksgiving is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. Unfortunately, The problem is that Thanksgiving is not really at the heart of what it means to be an American. I'll give you an example. I was asking my daughter, Lydia, who is four, if she's excited for Thanksgiving this week. Here's her response. I'm excited for Christmas, Daddy. To which I responded, okay, what are you excited for? Hoping that maybe Jesus would fall in there. She said, I'm really excited for the presents. I said, what about Jesus? I am a Pastor, by the way. What about Jesus? And she said, Can I be excited for both Jesus and presents? Lydia is just honest. Um, And if we're honest this morning as well, Thanksgiving has become more and more over the years a skip over holiday. It's been a placeholder between Halloween and Christmas. Christmas has all the songs, Christmas has all the movies, all the fun, all the presents. So let's just kind of get Thanksgiving over with so we can move on to Christmas and really start having our joy. But I want to ask you this morning to hold on to Thanksgiving for just a little bit longer. To not skip over it just yet. Because like I said, Thanksgiving might just be the best way to prepare your heart for what we're about to experience with Advent. And the story from Luke this morning is going to show us why. Our temptation since the beginning has been to forget. Forget. That's what Psalm 103, our Old Testament reading, showed us, to not forget the benefits of God. That was the problem of God's people through the Old Testament, and that's the problem in the story. We've forgotten about Jesus. We've just moved on. And my hope this morning is for us not to make the same mistake as we enter into Advent, that our hearts will be so moved, maybe for the first time in a long time, to have gratitude for this wonderful Savior that we have. So how are we going to do that? How do you get a heart of gratitude to prepare you for Advent? This miracle Jesus shows us in three ways. You need to see what you're saved from, what you're saved by, and what you're saved for. And I'll walk through those one at a time, starting with what you're saved from. And the first thing you need to notice in the story is what the lepers are saved from. And what they're saved from is a very desperate situation. Look at verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, verse 12, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Luke starts off this story with two things, disease and distance. Jesus is on his way. He's traveling to Jerusalem, like we said. Ten lepers come out to meet meet him, and they're standing at a distance from Jesus. Why? Well, leprosy was a horrible disease. So horrible, in fact, it was known at that time as a living death because not only did it destroy your body, it made you unclean. And because you're unclean, you were forced to separate from the rest of your friends, your family, your community, which is why these lepers are on the outside of this village. In fact, the law required them to stand at 50 paces away from any other person. And we understand a little bit of this right now uh, in more ways than we ever had before. We know some of their pain and their despair because we've been through something not nearly this bad, but definitely similar over the past couple of years. This pandemic has exposed us to a virus that not only threatens our bodies, but it threatens our community, doesn't it? People haven't just died, they have died alone. People aren't just getting sick, they're having to isolate from other people in their sickness. That is the desperation that these lepers are feeling. They have been separated from their people. And it is out of this desperation that the 10 lepers cry out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And it is only the desperate that cry out. Perhaps they're hoping for healing, but they only ask Jesus for mercy. You see our condition, Jesus. Would you please just have any pity on us? And what they realize, and what we need to realize this morning, is that they need to be saved from something. The story starts in desperation, and it is desperation that we must start with this morning if we want a chance at gratitude. If we don't want to miss out on Jesus. Have you noticed that in the Gospels, only the needy, only the desperate, only the impossible cry out for Jesus? That's the ones that he goes to. The Pharisees try to corner him, and they leave frustrated. The rich young ruler questions him, trying to justify himself. He leaves sad. But the lame don't leave sad. The lame walk. The blind see. And yes, Jesus even raises the dead back to life. And this is because we don't need another person to help us. We are in desperate need of a Savior. But in order to need a Savior, you must first realize that you need saving. That's, that's the point. Or to put it in Jesus' words, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Before I became a pastor here, many of you all know this, but I spent the last eight years doing campus ministry at the University of Kentucky. And many of you all know this. Many of you all went there. But UK is a very good education. It attracts a lot of ambitious students who want to change the world, who want to be really, really successful in so many different ways. But do you know what my biggest struggle was in my eight years of doing college ministry with students? They would do a lot of things with me. They would get lunch. They would listen to my advice. They'd answer some of my hardest questions. They'd even come to church with me. But the hardest thing over and over again was getting them to see They actually needed Jesus. That was the thing that was so hard to help them see they are more like the leper than they care to admit. And it was hard for them because it was hard for me too. Professor Robert Nash has coined the term apathyism to describe what I have experienced and others are experiencing. He says, and I quote The biggest problem facing Christianity in, in America today is not hostility. But apathy. It's not that people don't believe in God, it's that people no longer think they need Him. End quote. And that's not just going out there in our world, that's not just going on the college campus. That's here today as well. It's so easy to be distracted and driven by so many different things, and we're about to enter in to the busiest of them. The holiday season. There's so many different things to make us busy and distracted and all the while forgetting our great need for our Savior. But please don't, because until we see our sin, until we see our suffering, until we see our distance from Jesus, it's going to be really hard to see why he's so important in this Advent. A heart of gratitude starts with desperation. It starts with realizing not just that Jesus came to save you, but he came to save you because we face a living death. But clearly desperation is not enough, Because only one came back. So let's keep going. We've seen what we were saved from. Now let's turn to what we're saved by. Or better yet, who we're saved by. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And it's a remarkable thing, isn't it, to get to see Jesus work in the Gospels. They get to see him do his miracles. You want to be there for yourself to see it, to experience what they're experiencing. And the biggest thing you need to see about this miracle is the way Jesus does it. The way Jesus does this miracle is really unique, and he never does the same miracle twice. If you go back to Luke 5, Jesus also cleanses a the leper there, but he does it differently. He touches him, and he gets healed immediately. He doesn't do that here. His miracles are sometimes through a touch, other times through a word. And the way Jesus does his miracles are really important. What we have here in Luke 17 is what you would call a delayed miracle. He does not heal them right there in his presence. He tells them to go and do something. Go show yourselves to the priest. And on their way to going to do that, they're then cleansed. So what is he doing here? On the surface, if you understand Jesus' command... It can almost be cruel. Like I mentioned before, leprosy was a disease that not only destroyed your body, but it made you unclean. And because of that uncleanliness, when someone would get leprosy, the priests of that community would then have to cast them out for the good of the people so it would not spread, but also for the holiness of God. For a leper to be allowed back into the community, the leper would have to present himself to the priest showing that he was clean and the priest would allow him to enter back in with the people. So the priest acted only as a judge in this matter. He could see that someone was clean and bring them in. He could see that someone was unclean and cast them out. But what the priest could not do is he could not make someone clean. And the lepers know that. They know that Jesus is sending them off for a really cruel task unless he heals them. And that's exactly what he did. Because Jesus is not just some priest. He is our great high priest this morning. You see, a priest only has the power to declare you clean, but Jesus alone has the power to make you clean. Only he can heal their leprosy, and only he can heal our souls. You see, through this miracle, Jesus is teaching them and us exactly what this gospel of grace is all about. Because this is one of the great questions of mankind. How in the world do I get clean? One of the best illustrations of this is from Shakespeare's play, Macbeth. I don't know if you all have read it, but it's really a story about guilt and how bad we humans are at trying to clean ourselves up. It just doesn't work. Early on in the play, Lady Macbeth has urged her husband to kill the king of Scotland, King Duncan. And as the play goes on, the guilt over that murder is driving her insane. It's resting heavy on her soul. She cannot sleep. She even starts to see spots of blood appear on her hand that she can't get off. She rubs them over and over and over again, trying desperately to get the spots out, and they just won't come out. In the last act of the play, exasperated, She finally says, out spot, out I say, here's the smell of the blood still." All the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. Oh, what's done cannot be undone. If that's not the testimony of mankind without God, I don't know what is. What's done cannot be undone. And the reason so many of us deep down struggle with guilt, the the reason many of us still struggle with feeling unclean is because we are. We're all guilty. We're all unclean. We have done bad things. We haven't done the right things. And we can't get the stain out, no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do. And what you need to see from the miracle this morning is Jesus can get it out. He's he's the only one that can make you clean. And how does he do it? You have to fast forward to the book of Hebrews. This is such an incredible passage. In Hebrews 13, we're told that Jesus suffered outside the gate to sanctify the people with his own blood. Outside the gate. Jesus was crucified outside the city. That's where the lepers are are supposed to be. That's where the unclean are. Outside the city is for the ones that have been cut off, not the sinless son of God, not the one that we just confessed. Jesus is not supposed to be out there Yet there he is, outside the city. Why? For you. God the Father in his great love for you sent his son to become a leper on our behalf. And he became our sin. The ones we can't get over, the ones we can't get out, the ones we can't undo. All of this so we can present ourselves to God. And when we do, in the blood of Jesus, we are declared clean. We are not treated as a leper. We're treated as a son of God, not because we're not guilty, but because God is gracious to us. So I'm asking you this morning to not just consider what you're saved from, but to remember who you're saved by. You see, guilt will never lead to gratitude. Guilt can make you do a lot of things in this world. It will never lead to a heart of thanksgiving. But grace can. And the grace of God has come. Jesus became unclean to make us clean once and for all. So we've seen what we've been saved from. We've seen who we've been saved by. Let's finish by looking at what we're saved for. What do we get to spend the rest of our lives doing? Look at verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It is interesting ending, isn't it? All of them had this miraculous experience with Jesus. Yet for one of them, something was completely different. And at this point in the story, you get a real sense of what's going on. You can probably picture it in your head if you take a moment. The ten are walking away from Jesus to go see the priest, and one starts to notice, I feel really different. The other one says, hey, you look different. And the smiles begin breaking onto their faces. They might even start running at this point, leaping with joy over the thought, I may not hurt anymore. I may no longer be unclean. And you can imagine, as they get excited, as they notice what is happening to them, Jesus is beginning to get farther and farther and farther away from their minds. They are so excited about reuniting with their family and friends, enjoying their life, that Jesus is slipping further and further into the background. But not for one. Luke tells us that one turned back, and that one that turned back, he's not just happy, he's praising God with a loud voice and he's not just grateful he fell on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks and Luke waits to the very end of the story to mention one tiny detail he's been saving for the very end now he was a Samaritan and then Jesus repeats it just so we won't miss it was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner And this question from Jesus is not just a question, it is a warning. It's a warning for our hearts. You remember the story as we started out? It starts out with great distance. Distance between Jesus and the lepers because they're unclean. And now we know that this one leper probably had a little bit more distance than the others. Because he was not just a leper, he was a Samaritan. The Samaritans were considered a half-breed. They weren't even worthy to worship in the temple with the Jews. So the one that was least likely to come back has come back. This story doesn't just start out with distance, but it actually ends with more distance between Jesus and the lepers because they've went away from Jesus, except for one, the foreigner, the outsider, the Samaritan. There is now no distance at all between him and his Savior. He is at Jesus' feet. That's exactly where he needs to be. And in verse 19, Jesus tells us he received something that the others did not. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. All ask for pity, but only one received salvation. Your faith has made you well is Luke's way of saying your faith has saved you. So what made the difference? That's the question, right? That's the question of this passage. What made the difference between the nine and the one? What did the Samaritan get that we have to get this morning? One of my seminary professors tells the story of a friend who's a doctor in Thailand. I don't know if you know this, but there's still places on earth that still struggle with leprosy. Thailand is one of them. It's not the same as it was then, but it's definitely a severe problem. He was visiting his doctor's friend in his home, and he came across this picture at at his friend's house, and the picture was strange. The picture was a man who looked pretty rough. He was laying on a hospital bed. His leg had been amputated, but there was this huge smile across his face. And my professor naturally asked, hey, what's this picture about? Why is this guy smiling in this picture? The doctor replied, oh, that's one of my leprosy patients in the hospital. He wanted a picture to remind him of the day that he received Jesus. And here was the man's testimony. The man man said, I'm so glad I had leprosy because it led me to you and you led me to Christ. And my professor goes on to sum up the point of that story and our story this morning. What made the difference between the nine and the one? If you were to run into one of those nine, I'm sure they would have fond memories of Jesus. I'm sure they were very glad they met Jesus. They would have said something like, I'm so glad I met Jesus because he healed my leprosy. But if you were to ask the one, the Samaritan, he would have said, I'm so glad I had leprosy because I met Jesus. That's the difference. Or to put it more simply, in the words of Tim Keller, the non Jesus is useful, the one Jesus is beautiful. And that difference makes all the difference to our hearts. Where are the non The nine start out with distance from Jesus, and now they're farther from him than when they started. But the one is where we're all meant to be. Nothing is separating him from his Savior. He's right there with him. And he tells us that healing of Jesus is wonderful, but Jesus is so much better. You're not just saved by Jesus this morning. You're saved for him. And this is what we need to understand coming up with the start of Advent, our Advent season. As we prepare for all these different things, the world can take away so much from us, and it often does, but it cannot take away your Jesus. He has made you clean. There is now nothing between you and him. You can be as close to Jesus as you want to be. The nine were content with the kind help of Jesus. The one understood, I want to be with my Savior. So how do we have a heart of gratitude to lead us into Advent? We must remember what we've been saved from. Our sin has created a great distance between us and God. We must remember who we've been saved by, that there is no other Savior. Jesus has come. He has bore our sin upon himself. He has made us clean. And we must remember now that there is no distance between us and Jesus. We belong at his feet in worship and gratitude for our great Savior. We're not just saved by God, but we're saved for God. So I pray this season that you'll be able to say, I'm so glad no matter what happens because I have Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are so glad and so thankful. Thank you for so much that you have done for us. And I pray you warm our hearts with your truth right now. That As we take this bread and this drink, that you would remind us, that you fill us, that you strengthen us, that you're right here with us, Lord. May we come and come gladly. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.